Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Welcome to this special episode of Impact the World, where I'm thrilled to be inviting my friend Barry Goldstein to be on the show. So Barry has had a really interesting career. He worked for 20 years in the music industry, the traditional music industry. And in the last decade or more, he has moved into the sound healing arena and has worked with many big names in the field, but perhaps most meaningfully, Barry has shared with me in the time that we've known each other that his music is used in hospices. It's used for people with all kinds of anxieties or challenging circumstances in their life. And he's built quite a reputation for himself over the years. I had the pleasure of collaborating with Barry this year on a project, a CD and MP3 meditation called Journey Into Your Heart, uh, which we also created a song for. So we're friends, we know each other, but I wanted to have him here on the show so that you guys could get to experience his work and his journey around his work. So Barry, hi. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I'm psyched. It's really cool. So um, I also put your book out here, which is The Secret Language of the Heart, How to Use Music, Sound and Vibration as Tools for Healing and Personal Transformation. And it's a fantastic book. I love that it kind of goes between education and giving some of the science behind your, you know, your knowledge of music, but also giving us tools and exercises as to how we can bring music into our everyday life. Exactly. Yeah, it was quite a journey writing it. And I really wanted to share with people some of that journey um, but at the same time, for me, it's more than just acquiring knowledge and you know new new wisdom with a book. You know, it's about implementation and really creating your life with what the what you learn about it. So, you know, I think a lot of us have um, random musical experiences that happen to us, and they don't have to be. You know, when we put intention behind it, we can use music beyond art and entertainment. Mm. Really using it every day to make changes or to turn our day around yeah. uh, or to go to sleep to. Yeah. yeah. So has there been a song or a piece of music in your life that, that, I mean, I'm sure there are many, but is there one that comes to mind that has been a pivotal medicine for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a funny answer because nobody would think it would be this song. You, you, th you would think it'd be like Ava Maria or, you know, or something very uplifting, but in actuality, it's um, by The Spinners. It's a song called Could It Be I'm Falling In Love. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah, and as a, as a kid growing up in the Bronx, I remember that song, which is such a, a happy part of my life. So when I listened to it, it's what we now refer to um, in the research aspect of it as a song that creates autobiographical memories. Mm. So when we hear that song, we actually go right back to that moment where we felt happy. And you know, music has the ability to really induce our internal pharmacy, the, our pleasure hormones, you know, like dopamine start reacting during those times. But the funny part of the story is when I met Danise, who you know. Yes, your wife. Yeah. Um, she asked me, you know, we were getting to know each other, and she asked me, she said, what's your favorite song? No, I asked her first, actually, I'm sorry. And she said, um, could it be I'm Falling in Love by The Spinners? Wow. 
And in that moment, I was like really excited, but I also felt she's never gonna believe me if I say <laughs> mine too, right? Because it's not like a, you know, your song by Elton John or something. No. It's kind of an obscure song. But when she told me that, I realized that that she was really my soulmate wow. because there's no way in, a, in the world that two people would have had that same favorite song. And when I told her, um, we actually, I actually did a, that as a surprise for her at our wedding. Wow. What is it when you get the audience singing yeah. with you? Um, we had people in the audience singing the song. And again, it became a new memory through that, wow. you know, for us as well um, together. So, you know, music has that power to, to be really one song, as you said, can really change your whole life. Yeah, and it's funny because you're, you're making me remember something. There was an album I listened to. So I'm a, I'm a fan of Tori Amos. Mm -hmm. And there was an album of hers that I listened to during a really challenging, dark period of my life, mm -hmm. like 2009. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I couldn't go back to that album for, for quite a few years. So it can work the other way too. I mean, okay. now I've kind of, I've, I, it's interesting, I've managed to rewire my relationship with it and mm -hmm. kind of reclaim it in my now. But for, for several years, it, it, was, it was an album I was listening to while I was really in the dark. Sure, sure. It's, that's interesting how that works. It can work both ways, right. yeah. And I think your awareness, most people, not everybody can change the vibration of that, you mm. know, and come back to it and use it as a tool mm. to maybe move through some of that, you know, grief that you might have been holding mm. on to. And then it was gone, right? Yeah. And you could listen to it again. I actually consciously did because right. I, I thought I don't, I don't want this to be the. I also, you know, the 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 the, the state in my body. I thought, okay, let's listen to this a few times in Absolutely. my very different life now, with a very different vibration and feeling about life, and and it did it did move it. That's amazing, yeah. And I think that's a great message for people too, of who have that song that they might not want to listen to. Yeah. It's dissonance sometimes is needed, mm. you know, in the body where we're holding things. Music has its role in dissonance as well. Mm. You know, um, sometimes it's in smaller doses, you know, where you want to use that song to help move something in the body. And then after that, you're listening to it in a whole new way because you've let something go. Um, and that's a healing, mm. you know, and that's what I think of healing um, beyond the physical body, mm. you know, and defining it um, in the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And anytime you can release a block in any of those bodies, you're, you have a healing, mm. you know, that's a healing. And that's so. where I think music is so powerful because number one, it's a universal language. Yes. So you can, you can talk about music as a spiritual force, but the truth is most people don't necessarily identify it that way. But actually, if you think about it, music is magic. Like we take this thing into our bodies and it either makes us dance or cry or feel. And it's this invisible force that really is an energy that, that collides with our own energy. Mm -hmm. um, but but I'm, I'm curious how for you, because you now are clearly a practitioner of music as healing. It's, it's, in, it's in the focus of the music you create and it's, it's how you educate people through your work. But what was music for you when you were a kid? Like, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> you may not have had that, like many of us, you probably didn't have that conscious awareness, I'm guessing. You know, I didn't have it as, as conscious, but um, I clearly remember when I was growing up in the Bronx, um, it was like a melting pot of music. And I remember each guy had a, a half an hour to play their mixed tapes, right? Like and on cassettes. On cassettes, oh, wow. exactly, yeah. in a, on a boom box. Wow. Right, and um, everyone would have their half an hour to share their music, and it was such a melting pot and such an array of music. But what I realized then, and this was probably, you know, this is before playlists, that was our playlist, right. or mixed tapes. And 
I realized that music was healing them because I saw friends of mine who would use this music, you know, in dysfunctional um, household things that were going on, mm. whether it was alcoholism, mm. you know, um, f- friends who were gang, you know, whose family members were gang members. Mm. You know, it was, a, it was a very interesting subculture that we had. We were such close friends and came from such different variables of life. And, but I saw each one of us take these playlists and taking pride in our music. Mm. And, um, you know, now we know, and, you know, many years later, they're finding more and more that this translates into some of the most healing types of music now are what we call preferred music. So the music that you prefer is the music that's going to be most healing to you. Makes so much sense. Yeah, and they're using it with Alzheimer's patients to, um, you know, to reconnect them with memories that they can't access by language. You know, if I asked you, Lee, do you remember, you know, 30 years ago during Christmas, and you know, there's just a blank stare. Mm. But if you play White Christmas, which was their favorite song, mm. all of a sudden you see them come alive. Yeah. You know, and there's consciousness there. So, um, you know, we call that neuroplasticity when. The, the brain actually finds a way to rewire, you know, so it's like traveling down a road, right? And once one side is closed, but there's still another way in. Mm. Music takes that way in, you know, and not just into our brains, but, you know, also into our hearts. Mm. You know, our hearts have their own intelligence in utilizing music. Yeah. So when you were a fan of music, listening to it, at what age did you start playing an instrument or composing or... Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm, I started playing guitar when I was about 11 or 12. Mm. And as soon as I learned three chords, I was writing songs. Mm. So I was never the kid at the party that knew everybody else's songs, you know, and people asked me to play songs. Well, I don't, I don't know that one, yeah. you know, except Stairway to Heaven, which, you know, like everybody knew because, you know, that was your way to date, you know, date right. girls or, you know, during everybody that Everybody says that, like every musician I ever hear talking, they will talk about it was, to meet girls, you know, if, yeah. they're, if, they're, if they're a heterosexual male, like, you know, it's kind right. of like this, this thing, isn't yeah, that funny? I guess initially, you know, yeah. and, but, you know, the love for music was always there yeah. for me. And um, I would always say, well, I have a song that I wrote, you want to hear it? And I, I just loved and still love, you know, and in love with the creative process. Mm. That's what really sparks me is creating something from nothing. Mm. You know, and you and I have experienced mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, we got together for one day, yeah. the first time we actually physically met, and right, we we wrote like almost five songs yeah. in a day. Yeah, at our so, house, like what a mile from here, yeah. and yeah, five songs, three finished ones, and yeah. one of them, there is light here somewhere, ended up being the, on journey into your heart, and really the seed for that whole meditation. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what's more fun than that, right? Exactly. Just coming together and we had never even known each other and just creating something musically that was so beautiful. And now so many people are hearing yeah. and, totally. and it's helping them. Totally, so totally. that's what floats my boat. Me too. Yeah, so. my, my saying about music is music is magic and songs are prayers. Like, because mm-hmm. I think of how, yeah, how they've reignited faith, hope, all of that stuff over the years for me. Yeah. So with you, um, I'm curious, we, we were just both at the Sacred Science of Sound uh, weekend this in Hollywood yeah. this past weekend. It, it was, was awesome. amazing. Um, Geraldine Glass did a fantastic she job really of bringing job. us all together. Absolutely. So thank you, Geraldine. Thank you, Jim. Um, yeah. And you shared a story from the stage about Les Paul. 
and about, <laughs> you know, being with your dad and yeah. how Les Paul and then how Les Paul showed up later in your life. I'd love you to share that story because it was really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I was about 14 years old after I had been playing guitar for a little bit. My dad, um, you know, agreed to buy me an electric guitar. And I'm getting like those goosebumps on my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at that time, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, we were like middle class. And he said, we have about $200 to spend. And you can, you know, I knew I can get a Fender Stratocaster or a Telecaster. So that's what pretty much we were going for, which I was really excited about. Uh, and when we got there, I was playing a bunch of the guitars. And, you know, um, he, I think the salesperson realized that my dad was definitely buying a guitar. So he said, let me show you one more guitar. So he brought out this, um, this case, and I remember the Gibson on the outside of the case. And when he opened it up, it was this hot pink, like velvet, plush interior, you know, the very wow. 70s. You don't really even see that color anymore, but it was very big in guitar case insides and leisure suits. You know? wow. <laughs> so, but inside it was this cherry sunburst Les Paul guitar. And at the time, I was just an amazing um, fan of Carlos Santana and Jimmy Page, who both played Les Pauls. So uh, my father kind of saw that gleam in my eyes, and he said, I just want to talk to you, you know, for a minute. And he pulled me aside, and he said, I'm going to buy you this guitar. Mm -hmm. He said, but I need you to promise me that you're really going to stick with music because we can't really afford this guitar. He's like, your mom's gonna kill me. Mm. You know, and I, uh, my, it's funny because my mom was like four foot five, you know, very small in stature, but had a very big energy. <laughs> so he actually was scared. Yeah, he wasn't just kidding around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So of course I promised him, you know, I was 14 years old, I was gonna get a Les Paul guitar. But I don't think I realized what I was doing in that moment of that, that promise was creating a really strong vibrational field. Mm you know, that he, you know, we it was a rite of passage that was happening in that moment where someone believed in me enough to spend more than they could afford. Yeah. And so he went into the car, he got my sister's French horn that still had dust on it that was never played. He put that on the counter with, with two or three credit cards and he, you know, he bought me that guitar. And, you know, for many years, I'm um, coming up in the music business. You know, all I wanted to do was be an artist and a, or a producer. And I look at that guitar in really hard times, you know, when I was having a hard time paying the rent or, or you know, things weren't going, you know, it goes in stages in the music yeah, business. It could be hot or cold, you and, know. And also in any career, too. Yeah. A lot of careers, that can be the case. Yeah. Yeah. You can take that rough turn. Yeah. And I would look at that guitar and think, wow this guitar could like keep me going for like three or four months if I sell it, you know? But I would see that name, Les Paul, you know, on that guitar and Gibson on it. And I was like always reminded of that promise that I made my father. And every time I looked at that name, I think something must have been vibrationally, you know, anchoring in the field. And literally, you know, 30 years later from 14 years old and I had become a producer working full-time in the industry, working for major labels and the whole thing. I got a, um, I got a call from uh, another friend of mine who was a producer and he asked me if I'd like to produce a track on an album that was being done with Les Paul. Um, and we had gone to see Les a number of times over the years and, you know, um, you know, kind of pitched this album 
and Les wasn't really interested. But then all of a sudden there was this um, alignment. And I said, of course, you know, I would love to. And so the track that I um, co-produced ended up winning a Grammy for Best Rock Instrumental. So, you know, for me, the big message is that sometimes we can plant these seeds, you know, and, and you can be a minute away from the miracle and you don't know it, mm. you know? So, so for those people who are watching, it took 30 years, yeah. you know, for that rite of passage to really come into fruition. But when that alignment occurred, the album was done in six months and, you know, won the Grammy, you know, within a year to the making of it. Mm. So things just happened very quickly. And, um, you know, I got to play with Les Paul on stage. And, you know, if you're a musician, Les was just a, such a pioneer. Mm. The reason why we, we can record is because of Les Paul, was an inventor. Yeah. He invented multi-track, reverb, yeah. digital delay, you know, and just that innovative mind that we're talking about with creation, that um, they asked Les why he invented the electric guitar. He says it wasn't there and we needed it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think about that within consciousness and peace, yeah. you know, if we apply that to peace in our world, you know, totally, and create it totally. because it's not there and we need it. You know, so. It's an overused phrase, but uh, but be the change you wish to see in the world is absolutely where yeah. our focus has to go because yeah. we can be in despair, we can be in grief, but we're not useful when we're in despair and grief. It's a process we're going through right. and it might be useful to our soul development, but we can't necessarily help in the outside world or offer something that can lift for people. And you said something that, that I thought was so true and touching from the stage about when you finished that story, uh, when you were on stage telling it the other day, you said, and as much as it was nice to win the Grammy, it was way, way, way nicer to get to play live with him. Oh, that and, was amazing. <laughs> and that's really, that's yeah. so important because I think in our old paradigm world, yeah. we yeah. were all taught to like chase accolades or status. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth is, it's all about experience. Like all, yeah. all we're ever looking for is experience, so. Yeah, yeah. and I could tell you I, a story I didn't tell them about that night I, I played with Les, okay. which is very funny. So we were going to see Les and congratulate him after, you know, after the Grammy and getting out of the car, I popped a button on my belt and literally I had to borrow my friend Bob's belt and it was much bigger than me. So when we went backstage to see Les, he remembered who I was from the album. And he said, do you want to come up and play with me tonight? You know, unless it's like, hey, you want to come up and play with me tonight? Right, right, right. And that's how he, he talked. And um, I said, well, I would love to, but I don't have my guitar with me. Probably the silliest thing you could ever say to Les Paul because he invented the guitar. Yeah. And he said, well, I work for a little company called Gibson. I think we could find you a guitar, you know? And I said, so I said, yes. But all I was thinking about in that moment was, oh my God, my pants are going to fall down on stage, right, while I'm playing with Les Paul. So the whole time I had the guitar like really tight next to me. And, you know, in the midst of it, we were just trading licks and we were smiling at each other. And he was laughing and I was laughing. And he had some challenges playing, you know, in his older years. And I could see he was just having so much fun. It was like his inner child was just like we were going back and forth. And I got to tell him that story you know, of how my dad bought me that guitar. But so, your pants didn't drop on my stage. My pants did not See, drop that would have been stage. That would have been like a memory. That would be another story. You'd have upstaged Les Paul. I, I, I would have remembered that even <laughs> exactly. more. Exactly, so, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's, that's great.
So I'm curious because, you know, I know that you did, you did a lot of, um, just to briefly touch on your music production career before you went into more overt sound healing, you were doing like a lot of R&B and, and soul, soul music, is yeah, that Yeah, I mean, right? I was doing everything, right? you know, because I grew up in that melting pot that I was talking yeah. about. I was always attracted to working on new and exciting things. Mm. You know, so I was working in hip hop. I did a lot of house records and remixes. Mm. Um, you know, a, a lot of Chicago house. Um, I did rap music as well and hip hop. Um, and then oh, the and you once this. told me you kicked a rapper out of the vocal booth because they brought they, the lyric sheet they in. Couldn't, yeah, they didn't remember their words. Yep. And <laughs> so, but I think yeah, it's important. You know, you don't want to be in your head. You yeah. know, you want to be in your heart when you're yeah. when you're recording. So yes, I did. <laughs> kick out a rapper from the booth and sent him home. Um, learn your words. Yeah, learn your words. I, I, what I told them was, every time you come into the vocal booth, it should be like you're in Madison Square Garden. Mm. I said, are you going to have your lyrics on the stage in Madison Square Garden? And he said, no. Yeah. And he, he never came back without his lyrics, and he got it. That's you know? cool. So, but yeah, it was just a, a diverse melting pot. Mm. But there was a point for me where, like, where music started becoming a job, mm. And that's really where the transition occurred into all this ambient music was because it was for my own stress and my own anxiety, you know, of meeting deadlines and yeah. kind of like losing my love for, you know, the job of music that I tapped back into this whole other thing, mm. you know, that opened this other, this other, you know, doorway that changed my music, you so, know, so from that perspective. Was it? burnout? Was it um, just overload? Or was it also being like a hired gun for music that you weren't necessarily always feeling aligned with? I mean, on, like a, all the above. on, well, on, and on yeah. a soul level, what yeah. we know is it was destiny. It was like you were meant to come to the end of the road with that so that you could go. But I was just curious what the experience for you was at the time or what the things that you were focusing on were. Yeah, and I was just saying, make a comment with that too. I think it's um, coming full circle. So I don't think it was the end of the road. As you know, like yeah. we've seen a lot of movement now in this, right? This coming into that, mm. coming into the mainstream. So. Now I'm kind of, yeah, I went through that stage of creating this kind of music, you know, this beautiful ambient music and more to, towards tones. And, but my vision was always incorporating it more into how can we get this into mainstream, the healing capacities of music so everyone could, you know, really experience it. Because preaching to the choir is just not where we're at anymore. Mm -hmm. People who get it, get it. But how about those people who don't? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I took it into that whole frame, and that's been like 10 or 10 or 15 years now that I've been working, mastering um, the type of music that I, that I do, ambient music mm. and epic music and all of that. But I'm looking forward to seeing what the next steps are into bringing it into film mm. and bringing it into mainstream to really reach a larger place with that. You know, that's the calling for me. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we were just at Sacred Science of Sound this weekend, and there were a few quite well-known, mm -hmm. well, very well-known mainstream artists there um, who themselves are crossing over into into bringing more conscious music into the world. And it it's interesting. I, I, I kind of had a very strong feeling that, that that is what's happening with the music industry. Exactly. And I've, I know so many friends of mine who are either from the music industry or in the music industry who have gone into the healing arts in a way and are now coming back to their music. And I'm one of those I'm too, and you're the same. Yeah. 
um, Davor, who I work with, is the same. It's like there's a new energy around the music that we're now producing, and it just seems to be syncopating with what's needed at the time because it feels like more and more people are becoming more conscious about the healing power of music. Yeah, and the, I think the thing is, we don't have to call it anything, mm -mm. and that's the point. And we just have to, as we talked about, we have to become it. Yeah. And the vibration of it, and it will, it'll amplify and be sent out. But I'm, I'm enjoying not tagging it with anything, you know, in terms of genre or just do it. Let people decide what it is, you know, and where it fits for them. But I think the music business is reinventing itself, you know, in that way. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many artists now who are finding the freedom to put out their own music. We don't need necessarily record companies anymore. We're developing our own platforms where, you know, we have our, our sound tribes, you know, uh, and I think it's a, just a great and exciting time to be creating music, you know, especially what we're, I think what we're doing. For sure. You know. So you've worked with many different people from our field. Um, our friend, Anita Morjani, who we both love. Yeah. And I know you, you work very closely with Joe Dispenza and have done for many years. And then there's Dr. Daniel Amen, Neil Donald Walsh. But you've also, as well as collaborating with those speakers and teachers, you've also created an enormous body of work that is really designed to help people, uh, you might say, feel and get into their heart. Um, you know, you've got your music for pets, your music for healing. It's, it's a really broad range that you've got. So I'm curious, the through line with all of those projects really is, you know, the title of your book, The Secret Language of the Heart, which is music. Yeah, yeah. Well, when, when I had that whole thing that was going on when I transitioned, you know, I, um, I remember typing in the internet, music and heart, just to kind of see what would come up. And what came up was it, it said that our heart at a resting state is 60 beats per minute. And music, we can actually adapt our heart rates to the tempo of music because our hearts really are our metronome. Mm. So it's called entrainment when your internal rhythm matches to an external source. So when I took these journeys um, for you know, an hour at a time and I moved to a meditative state in the music, what I noticed was that I, I was releasing my anxieties and my stresses right. and I was coming into a place where I've a very expansive state you know, which, which was, you know, connected to everything. And, you know, I didn't think anyone would listen to this music. It was for me, you know, just for my healing process. And I asked friends who were massage therapists who said, this is like what I've been looking for. You know, hour long is what my sessions are. And there's not a lot of melody going on in there, you know, to distract people. So people started kind of um, convincing me to get it out there. And I began to put the CDs out. And we just started getting all these testimonials from people in different capacities. You know, people who use it, I used it in hospice to help my father pass. I've used it in a dentist's office. I had midwives using it to birth children in, in the world. So I, I kind of felt like something was going on because it was this circle of life, you know, birth, death. There was something in the music that was creating a safety, you know, and, and a conversation with the heart. And so that's what really led me to the book. It's like, wow. I want to find out why that is, you know. And at, at that time, I had just met Denise, who was uh, a naturopathic medical doctor, but also a researcher. And I expressed to her that I really would like to get this into more medical arenas. And she said, "Well, then you have to speak the language of, you know, of these 
people and you know learn more scientific terms to express yourself. Mm. So that's basically what I did. You know, I started researching and that's how the secret language of the heart came about. And it was really a bridge between all my spiritual teachings um, that I had shared with people as well as the science. And you know, the common thread is for me has always been the heart. You know, some people it was it's the brain. You know, and finding out what's going on in the brain when this is all happening. For me, it was like, how do I come back to my heart and begin to have a conversation within? You know, it's an awareness, as you know. Mm. You know, with the heart is music can awaken that, but it it also creates an awakening to listen to music in a whole new way. Um, so when we're we're tapping into those elevated emotions, we feel with music like compassion, kindness. What I learned was that our hearts are moving to a smooth, orderly rhythm, which we I, we call coherence. And that actually ripples out into our body because as I said, the heart is talking to all of our systems and it creates um, what's called the parasympathetic state mm-hmm. where we're in a state of relaxation. We're not running from the bear anymore, which is called the sympathetic state. Mm-hmm. And all of these things occur within there. Your immune systems boost, digestion is aided, you're detoxing, and all from music, you know? So once we really allow our hearts to receive and we can begin to target those states with specific types of music or design music for that even, you know, which is similar to what we did on, you know, our CD yeah. was designed to, to, it's all about the heart, yeah. right? And your teachings were about the heart. Say, so great, when we marriage that with music that's targeting for them to be in a state of receivership, mm. right? And getting them to that level, how much more can they receive the message, mm. right? Because they're in a space and a capacity to, and open to receive it. And at the same time, you know, attentive. So for me, it's always been a journey to the heart and it's rippled out accordingly from there, you know, because I think my intention was never really to do this for that. Mm. You know, it was my own healing process. Yeah. So. And you mentioned your own healing process. You said, you know, you, you, you were stressed and so you created mm-hmm. this ambient music and you would just sit with it. Yeah. And it, and it was working on you. And I've heard one of the things you recommend that we do is that we consciously use music in our day, like have a playlist or a music prescription for ourselves. Can you elaborate on that? Because I, I loved that when you shared that from Yeah, I mean, I think we all, know, we all know what playlists are at this point. It's not a new technology, but the new technology is when we become the DJs of our own life. Mm. You know, so we're not waiting for someone else to create a playlist. What would happen if you actually created a playlist for a specific emotion and music was the bridge? So asking yourself, where am I right now in my emotional state, my emotional body? Right? Maybe you're depressed mm. um, or maybe you're really elevated and you need to calm down. Mm. Right? Where am I now? Where do I want to go? And what music will take me there? So I create playlists like for, for gratitude and motivation and inspiration. But like my gratitude playlist is very eclectic. Can you give us like some song, like what yeah. are some classic, like what, how would you define some classic songs in terms of energy? Yeah, so for gratitude, I have Sly and the Family Stone. Yes. Thank you for let me be myself, right? Awesome. That's one of them. Uh, Karen, Karen Drucker, thank you for this day spirit. Okay. Dido. Also, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I mix it, mix it up with 
you know, other things that just make me feel grateful, you know, instrumental pieces and, and things like that. And, you know, when I'm in that space where I'm not feeling that energy and, you know, sometimes we can take things for granted or our day starts going, starts off great, but it kind of starts snowballing in another direction. I'll put on a playlist to target that emotional state I want to go to. Mm. And I find that when I can become the energy of what I'm seeking, then the field opens up and all, you know, all these synchronicities start occurring that align you with expanding what you're doing. You know, and I think that's, you know, I'm sure people are listening and, you know, we all want to have ways that we can expand what we're doing, no matter where you are. There's no beginners. There's no, you know, masters to me. You're always, you can always be more masterful. Yeah. So it's, these are just tools to plug in. Yeah you know, into your day, in your morning, afternoon, or evening to create your own program. So I love that. And I'm just going to jump back to what you were talking about a minute ago, because I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you said that after you met Donise and she told you that your intention to get this work more yeah, into yeah. the medical field would require a little learning on your part and some research. Clearly, and obviously you, you poured a lot of that into this book, how has that now changed your approach as a musician? Because I'm guessing you now work with a little more formulaic knowledge or backup. So if you, you know, perhaps mm -hmm. before you were intuitively just bringing this, how, how do you think it's changed your work as a composer? Because I've seen you oh, in the composer, studio. A, yeah. You know, as a composer, I'm going to say it hasn't changed what I do that much. In terms of melodies. In terms of melodies, no. And I'm really glad that it didn't, because that was one of the reasons I didn't want to learn yeah. too much, because I thought I would get into my mental state I with it. it. But it's just given me an overall knowledge, you know. But when I'm in the creative state, I'm in the creative state, you know. And I like to keep it that way. I don't want to be in my mind. I just want to be open to receiving whatever is coming through. And then I could always edit and you know, get some in, into that more. But I, I, like to, I like to move everything through and let it flow first. So here's a question for you. So we, we created this song, There Is Light Here Somewhere, with you and I sat in, in our living room, mine and Steven's living room, yeah. you on the guitar. Nothing, uh, right? Yeah. Nothing, like yeah. guitar, voice, yeah. iPhone recording, yeah. and the song was there. And um, then it was almost a year later that we decided to go into your studio and work on it and create a meditation. And I remember driving from our home in Malibu into LA one night and back at the other end of the night with the instrumental for the song that you sent me or the first level of instrumental for the song on loop. And um, yeah, and it's like a 50, 55 minute drive. So I just had this on loop. And as I was driving down the PCH, Pacific mm -hmm. Coast Highway, um, I'm listening to this instrumental and my, my whole body was vibrating. And on the one hand, I think it was because we both had this feeling this song was important for us as yeah, well as yeah. for those that we were creating it for, which is true. Um, but also the, the, the heart frequency that you had put into that arrangement. Now, I know our original song, the melodies, the words, the guitar chords, the playing, mm -hmm. that had heart frequency. But I was just curious, like you then expanded all through the arrangement. So did, did any part of you when you were putting that arrangement together think, I know it needs to be this timing for it to align with the heart or did you just totally channel all of it? Um, you know, for me, I think people define channeling, as I'm sure you know, in lots of different oh, ways. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I define channeling as anything where you feel like you are 
creating with spirit. So you right. might get into your zone cooking yeah. and you're not like thinking or looking at a book. You're just, you're just going with it. So Yeah, and I think that the key word is with. Yeah. Because some people think it's by, you know, so that, you know, when it comes through that it's not you at all. But I, I feel it's a, you know, it's a divine collaboration when it happens. Totally. I'm in my human body. I have a certain compositional skill and, uh, and style, right? But the divine moves through and collaborates, you know, and helps me access the field, yeah. which all unlimited possibilities are in. Yeah. So with that song, though, I think, you know, I think it's a combination. It's a recipe of, and I'm, I'm glad you said the intention of putting that heart energy in, because it's really important. That's a distinct part of the recipe is your intention and everything you record goes into that piece of music, the intention as well. And the emotion has to be in alignment with the intention because I can have the intention to, to oh, I'm gonna put all my heart energy in, but I can have an argument with someone five minutes before. And if the emotion's not there and in alignment, it's not going to resonate in the song. I believe everything goes into the song. So true. So when you came out too, I think that's one of the reasons that I said, Let, Lee, why don't you come out? We were already kind of at the finishing stages, but there were a bunch of tweaks. Come out, I think you're, we need our energies together. Was that after I'd done the vocals? That like, was so after you did it this, in the mixes. The where, and, yeah, we said, yeah, let's mix it It was more. there, yeah, you know, but we yeah. both felt there was, more know, to, yeah, like just both of us needed, mm. our energy needed mm. to kind of like glue it, mm. put the last glue in the piece. I think both of our energies needed to be in the room. And we worked from like first thing in the morning yeah. to like the, when I got home, Stephen was like, you look exhausted. And I was like, yeah, but it's, it was exhilarating that yeah. we, were, we yeah. were consumed. Yeah, we were consumed. So I think for me, it's a combination of, yes, there's frequencies involved. Yes, there's harmonics involved. There's composition involved. There's intention, there's emotion. I think um, people within our field are, are, are sometimes oversimplifying what they're looking for within sound healing, looking for a specific frequency to, to be a panacea, you know, similar to the way a doctor would prescribe something specifically for someone, for everyone, you know, when the best medicine is individualized medicine. Mm. You know, so I really feel like it's, um, we need to become our own sound healers and listen to what resonates in our body to decide what music is going to work for us. And that's, you know, that's where this comes in. You know, if we learn to listen to our internal orchestra first, you know, and be grateful for that. So our heartbeat, our breath, our sigh, mm. right? If we can connect with that on a daily basis, right? And place your hands on your heart and just breathe in and out and um, listen, then we start hearing music in a whole new way, in a very intuitive way. You know, where you can say, uh, I don't know if I like this song. You know, just like a teacher might not resonate with you. Mm. You know, or I know a lot of people said this song would be good for me because it has like binaural beats in it or this tone or that tone. But when you listen to it, it doesn't feel good for you. Yeah. You know, listen to your body just like um, you would with food. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nutrition. I think of it as musical nutrition. You know, you're bringing it into your, into your four bodies, into your field. Does it feel good to you listening to it? Yeah, that's so true. And it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, I've never really been into things like techno or heavy metal, but I know people who they love them and that, that, that's their medicine. And, right, and we absolutely. are all so unique in, in what we need, what we like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious because I know 
So you, you lead sound healing retreats. You just got back from one that you led in Italy, which I know is a fantastic week for you and all your participants. Well, I also yes. know in 2020, which I'm very excited about, that will be when this interview airs, um, that you are going to be bringing out some online courses so yes, we can watch this space. Yeah. Um, but if, if, I'd not, if I'd not met or heard of you before this interview, Barry, um, tell me what will the experience of reading your book do for me or give to me, like in a, in a nutshell, like if I was curious about learning more through you, what would the secret language of the heart give me as an experience? I think it would really allow you to look at music in a, in a very different way than you've been looking at it. You know, I think most of us think of music that, as something that happens outside of us. I think of music as something that happens within us. And I think that is a that is a, is a is a change for most people. And when you start thinking of it that way, and then you're able to utilize the science that's behind it, but also able to take that and, and incorporate it into your life and have an outlined program of how to do that, which is very important for me and why I wrote the book, is, then you can begin to see momentum of using music to create change and transformation in your life and not in a random way, you know, in a way where you're intending it. You know, you have a meeting today, if you're in a leadership role, you're listening to an up and epic piece of music to get you there, you know? Why do we have to go to Tony Robbins retreats to wait for, you know, someone else to do it for us? I think it's great. Yeah. He understands music. Yeah. But we could be that inspiration to ourselves. Absolutely. So that's what they're gonna really get out of the power of song, the power of chanting, working with your energy centers, how to balance them. And you don't need any instruments other than your voice mm. and your heartbeat, your breath. Um, everything in the book can be done pretty much with, with what you came with, what, you, what you've been equipped with as in this human state. Beautiful. And you also have like an accompanying CD or MP3 release yes. book, don't you? I have two, um, two CDs. One's a vibrational program mm -hmm. using music to attune the energy centers and a, a five-minute vacation in the middle of your day to kind of spark your energy. And at night, it has a way to bridge the busy beta mind state into alpha to wind down before sleep. Because I think... So we have 75 million people who have insomnia in this country because yeah. we're just net, we don't stop and treat sleep in a sacred way. Mm. So it, it really gives you a bridge on how to do that. And then there's one called the ultimate playlist that gives people kind of a head start before they create their own. Here's a song for different emotional states, gratitude, motivation, compassion, and it lets you start right away. Fantastic, so yeah. you are Dr. Music. That's a new one. Kinda. I yeah. mean, really. Well, that just hit me as we you, you're kind of prescribing and giving, helping people find their own medicine with music. So, well, you know, when I lecture with doctors, I always tease and say I'm an MD as well. There you go. And I say I'm a musical director. There you go. So they don't find humor in it. No, either, so. no, that's good. That's, no, I like it, Doctor Music. Um, so, it's been great to talk to you. You and too. I, really encourage people to go to your website, which is barrygoldsteinmusic.com. It is, yeah. And we'll put all the links and everything. But before you go, I have one last question for you, which uh -oh, is, here yeah, here it comes. Don't <laughs> worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Um, but I'm curious, because you know, this show is really for people who want to impact the world mm -hmm. and are perhaps already doing that. The path of self-employment for you, mm -hmm. what has been the best thing about it? 
And what did you find the most challenging or, or, or an area that you found challenging that you've had to overcome by, by being self-employed? Yeah, I think um, the, the great parts of it are always freedom, right? Which most people who are, have abundance and money-wise tell you it's not about money. Mm-hmm. It's about that freedom. Mm-hmm. So that freedom is really an amazing part of it, you know, and also the abundance that comes from doing what you love and knowing that it's being shared shared in the world and people are using what you're doing like every day you know that's that's the most rewarding um, piece to me in terms of the challenges you know i think in any field of, of where you're employing yourself there's sometimes um doubt or second guessing that comes along you know and realizing that god is with you you know or the divine or the universe whatever you want to term you want to use is with you as you walk into new territory, regardless of where you are financially, you know, and it's really about trust, you know, and, and self-worth. And when, when you are passionate about something enough where no is not an answer anymore, where you can't not do it, right? And those worries um, go under, under in, in importance of you doing it. Do you know what I mean? So doing it is much more important than the worry. Totally. Right? Then you know that you're in your your passion and what you should be doing. And so if you're listening, you know, and you're 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 going through those struggling times, if you cannot not do it and you've tried other things and you just keep circling back to this, then you know that you're on the right path and, and just trust because like for me, it took 30 years to really move in, into the field where I was able to really um, branch out, you know, and share in a larger scale. Yeah. And, um, you know, now my friends are talking about retiring and I'm like, what's that? <laughs> you know, I have no, I never want to retire. Neither do I. So. Yeah, I'm with you there. That, because especially I think when you, when you feel purpose around your work, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just your work or a job or, you know, something you're doing to earn money, yeah, I think that's the best. And I love what you said because I do I think one of the I think one of the hardest things when I work with entrepreneurs um I think you you can kind of underestimate the growth that you're going to have to go through, like what you're going to have to learn that you don't know. <laughs> right. and it's like, oh my God, I've got to write my own schedule. And I, and I always feel like there's this learning period you go through okay. where you learn your your strengths and your weaknesses. And it's like, oh, I'm really bad at scheduling. Right. You know, so it's like, and before when you work for a company or that someone else is giving you the deadline. Right. So it's interesting. I feel like as you mature as an entrepreneur, you start to learn that about yourself and you either can work with others or collaborate with team members whose strength is the thing right, that you're absolutely. missing. Or sometimes you have to you have to you have to develop and learn and grow and so and yeah. wear a lot of hats sometimes at the beginning Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. So like you said it lets you it allows you to see what you really love and what you just like yeah. but don't love yeah. and what you don't like at all. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm at that stage where I really just want to do work that I love. Yeah. You know that I feel that love. So, yeah. I'm grateful that we got to do totally. our our um, project together. Me too, me too. It was As really well. special. Yeah. And it was really special that we converged on music mm-hmm. and also created something within the sound healing and, and meditation field. So thank you, brother. Love you very thank much. You. I'm excited for your expansion. Thank you. Because I can feel it all kind of growing. And thank you for what you do in the world. 
Well, thank you for what you do as well. I've seen seen you um, live for the first time, you know, over this last weekend, and I always appreciated what you did. But even even a deeper sense of appreciation, seeing um, how you shared and the work that you do is so so important. So for me, um, the synergy of coming together, um, you know, to help other people with what we're doing is. Um, I'm just in gratitude uh, with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, We're sharing our work I together. feel lucky that we yeah. get to do this. So yeah. I hope that more people get to share what they feel they can offer the world. Because that's what we all and, need. And we need it now. We really do. We yeah. Need yeah. And you said that. I said it. You are needed and now is your time. Yeah. So. And that was, that was really important for people to yeah. hear. And it yeah. is still And that's today, kind of so. why I did this podcast. So thank you to those of you who are tuning in. Thank you to yeah. Barry for being here. And you can check out Barry at barrygoldsteinmusic.com. For any of you who want to go into music or sound healing, do it, do it, do it. Figure do it. it out. Yes. You, you don't have to give up your day job. Just start doing it on the side. Um, because this medicine and any kind of medicine that you feel compelled to give if you're watching this show is needed right now. So big love, everybody. See you next time. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And in the seven months since we recorded that show, Barry and I have now released the EP, There Is Light Here, which features four different versions of the song that we recorded, which we spoke about in the interview. So for those of you watching, we're now going to play the complete video of the main version of that song. And for those of you listening, you will get to hear There Is Light Here. You can find it on iTunes, Amazon, or at my website, leeharrismusic.com. And as ever, we'll put all the links beneath this episode. Light.
Everywhere.